Chiefs have needs, and it's Mock Draft Monday. Can they get it done where they are, or do they have to move around today on Locked On Chiefs? From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We'd appreciate if you check out another Locked On show for your next lesson, whether it's the draft show, the scouting show, or one of the other teams around the league. We appreciate it. That is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day for free on every platform. So get subscribed on YouTube as well as the other platforms because that's where you can hear the shows drop first. We appreciate it if you'd like sub and hit the bell here on this channel and leave your comments as to what this mock draft is going to look like. I had some fun with it. Chris is going to rip it up. I'm going to try to defend myself and see what happens. A uh, lot coming here. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, home of the Athletic Matrix and the 60-ish percent complete NFL draft guide. Hopefully, Hoping to have that out this week so you guys can get after it. A lot of information in there as well as you can find my stuff over at NFL33.com and RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you for all for listening. You can find me over at Chiefs Corner. There's a lot to talk about in this draft. It's very interesting. I like what you were able to get done, and, and there's going to be a lot to talk about when we get into it. Uh, but please hit the like, subscribe, and notification bell on YouTube, and send us reviews on Apple and Spotify. And we do like comments on YouTube as well. We try to respond as much as we can. So when you did this mock draft, I found it very interesting to sit here and look at it because I see the whole thing. Uh, and see that you didn't – you addressed needs that I expected you to address, but not exactly how I expected you to address them. Yeah. I mean, this this is my stab at yet another scenario. What's another way that it could fall down, right? I tried to trade up. I tried because I feel like that's that's something in here as, as we look at the, the areas of need around the Chiefs roster. Like, I still feel like that probably has to happen, right? I just couldn't get anything done worth a value of anything. So it, it was costing, you know, multiple ones or it was costing, you know, one and a couple of twos just to get up above 16. 16 seems to be the sticking point. And that is if you want one of the elite type tackles, that's about where you need to get. And I think if I remember correctly, this did prove that out as well. Right. Uh, had Skaronsky go at nine. Had Paris go at 11 and then came back. Where'd Broder go? Six. S- Oh, he did go six. Yeah, well, that's why. I, you see what I'm saying here? Like, very problematic. So I, I just kind of backed off, and I said, okay, let's see that if if Brett Feach is happy, if Andy Reid is happy with Juwan Taylor in particular, with Charles Menehue in particular, maybe they don't feel the urgency. Maybe in this scenario, they're like, you know what? If I have to go up there and spend that kind of draft capital, I just ain't doing it. So let's well, see what falls to us, and that's what I did. And then they, you also look at the scenario, and we'll pull it up here in just a second because we're going to talk about all this. Jackson Smith and Jigba goes 12. Quentin Johnson goes 14. Yep. Uh, and Zay Flowers goes 21. Jordan Nassin goes 19. So there's two positions pretty much picked over at that point. Yeah. And and that is what feeds into what I ended up doing. And I, I feel like it worked out pretty well. We'll see what you think here. So as it fell down, you want me to run it down? Because there's a couple other notes I wanted to make as well. Well, here, I'll just pull it up so we can all see it. There we go. So as this first round goes down, right, as we said, the tackles went super early in this scenario. Broderick, Skaronsky, and Paris all off in the top 11. Uh, Wide receivers, same situation. So what happens then? Okay, 
edges. Got to be aware of where they are. And then it comes in here. Miles Murphy goes at 23. And I'm hearing more and more around the league that opinion is is more that he is right at the edge of falling out of the first round, which means he should be very close to available for the Chiefs at 31. In a real-world scenario, that's more and more where this seems to be trending and what we seem to be hearing about Murphy in particular. And Murphy is a Spags guy. Is he as long as Tyree Wilson? No. But he is a power edge that can set the edge, that can come inside if he has to, and he can do all the things that Spags like. So in terms of like the prototype body, it is Tyree Wilson in this class, right? But in terms of a guy that's productive and has started a lot of games, the Spags' top guy is probably Miles Murphy. Yeah, and Jalen Carter falls to 18. That's interesting. And you start looking at Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer going in the top 27. That's so crazy. two tight ends in the top 27. It helped, though. It helped. And you. It it, everyone knows that I like a speed rusher, right? So Nolan Smith going at 25 also put a little kibosh on my hopes that he might get to 31 as well. I think that this is probably accurate, if not a little bit late for Nolan. Uh, I think especially teams that want to play a 3-4, I think he's the premier pass rusher as a 3-4 outside linebacker in this class. And let me ask a quick question because I know Kalaja Kansi has gotten a lot of talk lately. If somehow he's sitting there at 31, do you think Kansas City could make the decision to go that direction? I know it's not one of their top needs, but it gives them another interior presence. I don't think so. Um, from Fair. everything that I've put together about Colin and what we know from Spags is they want more size than they want penetration. And Kansi makes his living penetrating gaps. That's just not what I think they're ready to do. Do I like the player? Sure. I like Tommy a little bit better because he's not as explosive into the gaps, but he also, I think, does a better job as an all-around player. So he could come in later. So as this came down, it, we kept seeing it, right? Um, Osiris Torrance, I'm not sure he's a first-rounder either. I'm just going to say that out loud now. Sorry there, Saints fans. Um, and then you see the conundrum that happened here, right? <clears throat> yep. And we've been talking a lot about Harrison, so I'm actually kind of glad it didn't fall to where he was available at 31 uh, because this gives us a chance to talk about somebody else that I do think could be available. And quite frankly, if Kansas City decides that they are going to be comfortable with Juwan Taylor at left tackle, this is a move I could see them making. This is exactly where I was at as well. And as my final grades have come out, this actually happened in reverse. I have Darno Wright one player above Anton Harrison, and we were able to take him at 31. Now, he is generally a right. You know, like, could you try him at left? You could give it a shot, but that's what Juwan's for. So knowing that, that Veach likes to put his pairs ahead of time, I felt like that made sense. Now you have a plug-and-play, and this is this is now where Lucas Niang is your swing. And I feel pretty good about that situation. How do you feel? I think you still are looking for another swing if you possibly could find one. I just I don't trust Lucas Nain to be able to stay healthy. Uh, if those two guys, if one of those two guys goes down, I think you could still be in trouble. But I do like the Darnell Wright pick. I do think that he's a guy that's he's a man of a man. And I think that you're looking at a situation where if you can put him at right tackle, he could be your guy for the next ten years. Uh, if you decide that you want to go that direction and keep your your guy there for ten years, because it's going to get expensive after the first rookie contract. But in this draft, I think that'd be a very solid line from left to right. I have to think so, too. And let's let's be real. He is a mountain of a man, but he is not like Orlando Brown. This is not a one-for-one, one, right? His feet are much better. Are they as good as Anton Harrison's? No. But they're noticeably a generation better 
than Dewan Jones are. So you're not but, stuck in that same paradigm of, of super size, but not able to move. And I've seen people say that he could be a generation, not a necessarily a generational talent, but a cornerstone type talent as an offensive lineman. Yeah. And if you're getting that type of guy at 31 at one of the tackle positions, I think that's still important. Uh, and right tackle, I'm not going to say was a horrible issue last year, but if they can put, okay, worst case scenario, say Juwan Taylor doesn't work out great, but he's a, an upgrade of what they got with Brown. If they still have to help him a little bit, but Darnell Wright can handle his own on the right side, then you have more options available to be able to do different things on offense, and I think that's huge for Kansas City. I agree. In the end, Darnell Wright is Rogue Analytics' number four offensive tackle, and we got him in the fifth offensive tackle slot, so that's pretty good value. Now, what happened next got a little funky. We're going to get into that here in a second, but if you were betting this is the way it was going to go, you probably want to put some money down on lines or basketball games or whatever comes next. You can get into all the action with all the basketball fire right now over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. All you have to do is go sign up. It's that simple. You can use FanDuel.com slash locked on and all the new customers are getting a no sweat first bet right now. So you can earn up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't pan out for you. You lose that, you get bonus bets. It's over there at FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can wager on anything from, from money lines to three-pointers to anything available on that sport. Whether it is basketball here as we continue down that path, whether you get into some of the other sports as well. I personally am into the hockey thing right about now, and that's just the way that I work. But it's safe, secure, and easy to use on the app. That's the best way to use it. And you get that no sweat first bet for up to $1,000 in bonus bets right now when you use fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So round one, chalk. Just stay put. See what comes to you. You got to feel like you have multiple high second round grades. And, and like we always talk about, number 31 is really a second round pick. Because generally, I'm only going to have somewhere between 18 and 23 first-round grades. So no matter what, you're picking a guy that you probably had ranked as a second-rounder. Yeah, but the question I have is, is Dornell Wright really a second-rounder in your book? It's borderline. He's he's right there. Um, Anton Harrison is solidly as a second-round pick in terms of, of my grades. Um, now, the production changes a little bit. There is some advantage, uh, yay or nay, and the athleticism certainly is is much different. Uh, I think that it's going to be interesting to see which way they go if they have the A-B choice at that point. Um, then we're going to know a little bit more about, are they really sticking with the power run game? Because Darnell's better at that. Are they, do they want to just get back to you know, 68 70% pass and have those quicker? Uh, more? I, I think Anton can, can drop vertically a little bit better. That's just me. Uh, but that will present us with what their philosophy is going forward. So scratched off big thing that I still feel is, is a primary need. And then we came back and it got a little bit crazy. And why did it get a little bit crazy? Again, tried to trade in the first round, didn't get it done. Then I had offers flooding in for the second round pick. And so I decided to do something. You know, and, and take advantage of a unique opportunity. And so that's what I did. Instead of staying at 63, which had been my plan, I got an offer from uh, the LA Rams, you know, the F them picks guys, right? Uh, who don't have much to offer, but they wanted to get up to 63. They were offering 69 and 77 for our 95. So I was able to move back six picks 
and move up from 70 from 95 to 77. That's a pretty good deal. So I, I ended up liking that. I did give up a couple of the seventh rounders to get that done. Couldn't care less about that. But at that point, the edges that I thought were worth the second round pick were gone. Uh, I, I Before you some, looked at the trade or after? Sorry, just, just curious. The trade came in, what was it? The trade came in right at the 55-ish pick because I just kind of randomly stopped to see if the team's getting calls or anything like that. Um, and that's where it came in. And so at that point... I had been planning just to sit at 63 and the edges had gone off, you know, uh, even Will McDonald was there who I, I don't think is necessarily a great fit for the chiefs, um, but offers some upside. And so it was that, that third tier of edge rusher that I knew I could wait on at least according to what we've been seeing mostly. So just entertained it to see what I could get out of it. So that offered up a unique opportunity. Cause like you said, everybody went high in the the first tier and honestly the second tier i think zay flowers is, is a second tier player i don't think he's one of the elite i think it's three guys up top in the wide receiver class but all the second tier guys have gone as well so at that point moving back six picks i had the opportunity to decide between a guy that i really like in at perry uh that has you know flaws he's more athletic but he has a couple of drop issues cedric tillman is a guy that i think is is more productive more honed in his route running ability, and he's got injury history. So it's kind of a toss-up. I've been doing A-B on them this whole time. In this situation, I was able to take Cedric to change it up. And lo and behold, as, as the picks ran down to 77, AT stayed there. So what I was able to do after getting a starting right tackle, I was able to give the Chiefs two big bodies, one more explosive, one more contested catch guy, and fill out the wide receiver ranks and get two sizable guys that can take up space and make the other team's primary length defender come get them, which opens up Sky and opens up Kadarius. And I think that is a good recipe. And now you have two young dudes that you can see eventually playing a lot of snaps for you. Yeah, and here's the results of that trade. Like you said, you traded away 63 95 249, 250, which are throwaway picks at, at this point when you're talking about second round or third round picks. And you got 69 and 77. You moved back six spots and moved up, what, 18? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's huge. Yeah, it was it was enormous. So I think you got a lot of value there. And I, I really would have probably made the same type of move. I would have said, okay, if you're going to offer me two third rounders, which, quite frankly, it depends on the board at 63 if you really want to take that pick. But again, yeah. if the edges are gone, the wide receivers are gone that you really think are going to be there, why not trade back into the top of the third round, get a guy that's really at his value? Uh, agreed. And I was I was pretty shocked because I by taking Cedric Tillman, I went against my own grain a little bit because I generally am going to give, except for the wide receiver position, I'm going to give athleticism the, the edge break, the, the tie-breaking ability, right? Perry's the better athlete. Tillman's more uh, productive. Uh, Tillman is sixth in the class in overall production by all of my metrics combined. Perry is seventh, but Perry's the 13th uh, athletic matrix score, whereas Tillman's uh, down at 18. So well, long and, story short, and, it worked out. Yeah, and now if you're sitting here, you have four guys, five guys. When you start looking at the wide receiver core, you have Sky Moore, you have uh, – Kadarius Tony, you have MBS, you have Cedric Tillman, you have A.T. Perry. So you have five young guys that they can – well, MBS isn't really young, but you have four young guys that they can build around for years. 
and MBS is still going to be there that could be the veteran in the room. Uh, you still have another option to bring in another wide receiver. Uh, and, and there's still some young guys that are on the practice squad that I know a lot of people are interested in or that were on the practice squad that a lot of people are interested in. For sure. And here's the nice thing is, is Perry's a four four six guy. So wh- while he's not, you know, he's not Kadarius, he's not Jerry Sneed fast, he's fast. So you're not giving up athleticism and speed downfield there. Yeah. So I think this is a good move. I think that you give them two receivers that can contribute. Are they both going to contribute your one like you would want a wide receiver to do? No, but I don't think most wide receivers will uh, unless you're going to get a cream of the crop guy uh, in trade up way up in the first round as you saw the wide receivers go early in this draft. Yeah. It's a fun time. And then it let me like take a breath and see what else they can do. They have their starter, uh, a couple of starters on the defensive line that are, that are coming back. What can they do to make that better? How can they improve the defensive side of the ball to give Patrick Mahomes a little bit of support? I did that on day three, and we'll get to that right after this. So we come back, and at this point, just to recap, uh, what the Chiefs have left is I, I've moved up from the bottom, so 249, 250 went. And so the Chiefs have, what is it, five picks left at 122, 134, 166, 178, and 217. So that's where we're sitting right now. Five picks on day three. And now it's about upside. Now it's about how can you fit in. And you don't have to be a starter level guy, but you got to contribute somehow. And I I personally want to see somebody that I feel can grow into a role and maybe be a starter down the line. Yeah. And that would be great. And so where did you look in the fourth round? I immediately started looking at edge. And there were some guys there that I like. Uh, one one guy that I've been picking lately in a lot of, of mocks is KJ Henry. He went just before the, we were on the clock. So didn't quite get that one done. But he is a guy that I think has has upside left in him. He's, he's played a lot of ball, but I think he needs to get turned loose. I, I do think there's an option there, but he was gone. So I took a, a wider path at it here. And how can we support Chris Jones and now Amenahu and and vary everything up and give Joe Cullen and Steve Spagnuolo a bunch of weapons that they can throw from any angle that they want. So I came back to a guy that's been more and more popular since I started watching him and I put a, a third round grade on him live in October and it's just gained momentum from there. But he was still here at 122. So Mauro Jomo, everybody's favorite Longhorn, was available. This is a little bit low for his grade. I do have him as a fringe 100 guy right down there at the bottom. And some of the national analysts seem to agree with me. Uh, I don't think he made Dane Brugler's top 100, but he has made uh, ESPN's, and I believe uh, I believe he made Miller's top 100 as well. But anyway, he was available there. This is a guy that can play inside and give some pass rush-specific work to help Chris Jones. With Derek Nottie and Turk Wharton there, this I think he's got more upside. Uh, he's farther along right now than Turk Wharton is, and I think he has more upside. So he can be that kind of fill-in, second-down, third-down player to help Chris Jones and, and try to crush some team's ability to double-team Jones all day long. Well, and it gives you a value pick if you think he's a top 100 pick and you get him at 122, that's a value. So uh, I, I like that move. I think that that is a good uh, look. Because right now, if defensive end isn't there, it's not there. And yes, Kansas City needs defensive end, and, and maybe that's something they're going to have to look at later in the draft, or maybe that's something they're going to have to look at trying to add after the draft. Yeah, and I think that's very, very possible. So where'd you go for the fifth? 
came back and I was trying to look at something that maybe was a little bit outside the box, right? So again, a lot of power here because it's Spags and Cullen, like a lot of power, just keep coming back to that. And so can you change it up? One guy that I like that nobody really talks about because I mean, he ran a four, four, seven at what was it? 242 pounds. And this is, he's not Nolan Smith, but I think Yashir Abdullah from Louisville has the ability to be a speed rush option after he can make his adjustment to the league. I do think uh, everyone knows that I like Yaya Diaby quite a bit. This is his partner in crime that can fly off the edge a little bit faster. And that, I think, gives the Chiefs a little bit of a change-up speed. And that's what I was looking to do. I was happy that he was here uh, at 134. I thought it was a no-brainer, so I pulled the trigger. Yeah, and that gives you an edge, and that gives you a speed guy that Kansas City currently does not have. And I apologize. I said fifth round. It is a fourth-round pick, so that's my apologies on that. Uh, all these get mixed up in my, when you're going through this, and, and you can't see the list right in front of you. So right. uh, my apologies on that. But you see, Abdullah, if you can get a speed – rusher that could come in and give you situational pass rush at the very least that's a win for kansas city especially in the fourth round yeah and you know and at that weight he's an explosive dude 36 in the vert and, and 11 broad which means he comes off the ball of power and that's that's what i'm looking for out of a speed rusher to be able to convert to that power so then we had a gap we had a full round there that we're going to fall down to 166 and then it became about value who could actually do something for this team at 166, fifth round's been successful for the Chiefs in the past. So they have a tendency to find talent that can fit a role. It doesn't have to be a starter role. It doesn't have to be like the end-all, be-all. Um, you know, Trey Smith is the exception to the rule in that he was starter level at this this area in the draft. Um, but the guy that but I got it because to, of the medicals. So that that's also exactly. something to point out. Exactly. So I'm looking for a guy that can fill a role or grow into the, one of the roles that is currently occupied. And I didn't want to make this like, you know, two wide receivers and the rest all defense because that's what my tendency was going to be. So I started to look at who's got some unique abilities that I feel can translate to the Chiefs offense. Uh, I looked at Koontz. Uh, he ended up going before this happened. But I was able to find, after not looking at, at wide receiver, a running back that I liked at, at round five. And then this tight end, Davis Allen from Clemson, who runs really, really smooth routes. He's a pass-catching tight end. He is very much in the mold of Travis Kelsey. Can he do all the things Travis can? No. But I think he has upside to grow into the role a little bit easier than, say, Noah Gray does. So depending on the future uh, with Jody Fortson, I think Dave Sound can be another guy that gets out in routes, can split out, can run out of the big slot, and can help this offense move and take some pressure off of Travis. Well, and the one thing you, we talk about Fortson, we like Fortson uh, as an option in Kansas City's offense, but be fair about it. He's 27 going on 28. He's got a lot of injuries. Yeah, it, that's that's the truth. And he's been a great story to this this point. I'm really glad that he's back, but you got to have you got to have backups to backups at this point when you're a Super Bowl contender every year. So that's where we went. Uh, about 12 picks later. Had another selection that we were able to make, and this is where I was looking for true value. Just Almost not dart level, but like a guy that showed me something that I could hang a hat on to see what the future could be. And right now, like you were talking about Lucas Nyang, it, it's not solid. It, you don't know injury-wise. Trevor Reed is a really, really athletic tackle that doesn't have a clue what he's doing yet. And that is evident on film, left, right, and sideways. But 
that athleticism doesn't grow on trees. And so he's a guy that I, I think between length, I want to check his length here real quick before I shout it out, because that's where it comes down to. It's length and athleticism. When that all comes down, you get a guy that's a little bit undersized at six foot four and a quarter, uh, 311, but he's pushing 34 inch arms. And that's that's what you're looking for in order to be a guy. Mold of what you in. want. Yeah, yeah, it's what you fit is the mold of a tackle. And if this guy gives you a chance to be a swing tackle, that's a win for Kansas City. Yeah. And that that may be the the ceiling of his upside. He may be a swing tackle at best, but he's a sixth or fifth round investment here. No, sixth round investment here that allows him to grow into that role and keeps the the backup level at the offensive line, which we know is costing some money right now, keeps that cheap for the next four years uh, if he can make that. And you might end up with Niang and a guy like this as your backup tackles. You do want to keep a couple. Well, and the other thing is, is we know what he is right now. The question is, is what can Andy Heck make out of him? Is it possible that he could become something else in the future? We'll see. But a swing tackle is an important position to have. You need to have somebody there to be able to protect Patrick if something happens to the guys that they have. And right now, uh, you know, you've already got your starting offensive line figured out. This gives you, you know, piece number six that you would want to talk about. So I think that's a great pick uh, and a lot of value there. Yeah. So we would... move on, though, to the seventh. Where'd you go in the seventh? Th- this just comes down to who can play teams right now. Who has the upside? This is the Nazi Johnson pick in order to who can contribute somehow. And much in, in the Nazi Johnson vein, uh, Carrington Valentine is a, a guy that's in the top 20 in production and in the matrix. So I know he can get on the field. He can play teams for you. He can try and be scrappy and grow into a role where the corners, yes, there's four of them. You need to see the future as well. So I, I think that's another guy to get in the pit and, and try to mix it up. I, I like that to see if he can develop into a guy that can make this roster for the defensive side, but in the meantime can play team snaps for you. Well, in Kansas City is – generally taking six corners every year. So wouldn't shock me that they add one or two more. So definitely like the draft. I think that you're looking at a situation where at corner, if he is somebody that can play teams and step in there and be one of those contributors that can be, you know, a gunner or a core special teams guy on teams and, and playing all four of the teams, I think you're in a great situation there uh, to get him in this in the sixth round. And the other issue here is that, Quite frankly, I think that you're also looking at a possibility of even if Kansas City picks a 217 in Carrington Valentine, Valentine, I'm sorry, is he really going to make the roster? Is that going to be somebody they're going to have on the roster this year? We've talked about it. They're not going to have that many roster spots for rookies this year. It's possible he can stick around for the practice squad. Maybe maybe he wouldn't, but when you're Kansas City sitting here at the situation, you try to get a guy that you think can you know, come in and play special teams for you. And if you can't do it and you find somebody better, you're out of six-round pick. It's the worst possible scenario, but that's not a bad scenario to be in. True. And and let's be real. There will be draft picks that don't make this roster because it's championship quality. Uh, just It doesn't hurt the kid's future either to come into Kansas City, learn from that. And if he doesn't make the roster, he can move on to another team that's going to have a lot more openings and opportunity for him too. So everybody kind of wins in that situation. So a quick rundown. Darnell Wrighton at the first – over or sorry, the first pick for Kansas City at 31, Cedric Tillman at 69 with the trade, AT Perry at 77 with the, the same trade, and then Moro Jomo, Yasir Abdullah, Davis Allen, Trevor Reed, and Carrington Valentine. 
I think you're looking at a strong class there. You address the tackle situation, which I think they still need to address. You obviously address the wide receiver position. You give them interior defense pass rush, which we've been talking a lot about. You give them an edge. So that takes care of a lot of the positions. And then you go back and you get a tight end that could possibly be a guy that could be the, I'm not going to say the future of the position in Kansas city, but at least part of the future at the position in Kansas city. Yeah. I, I like the concept. I think this worked out pretty well. Again, was a little bit atypical. I might even do another mock draft this week because I'm kind of in, in the flow here. Well, maybe I'll, I'll give you guys a special one later. Uh, Chris will be out this week. We're going to pre-record a couple things. We're going to have some guests, a lot coming for you. And we'll see what evolves next mock draft Monday, where I'm going to be I'm going to be very patiently waiting to see what we do trade wise next week. Since I was a nearly a failure with the first round this week, but. Thank you all for spending your time with us. Check out another Locked On show. Locked On Scouting is in full swing, and you need that information, as well as everything at NFL33.com, where me and my crew are putting out draft content constantly, uh, especially about the premier positions that you're interested in. You can get subbed over there. This is a fun exercise. I know you guys do some of them, too. So what would you rather see? Leave your comments in the YouTube and on the Spotify and Apple reviews. How would you have done this differently or what did you not or not like? Uh, personally, Darnell Wright, I'd like to see a thumbs up or thumbs down in the comments if you like that pick in, spe in specifics. But that's it for us, Chris. Have a nice week. I'm ready to go. Thank you guys for spending your time here. Uh, any parting thoughts on what we might see this week? Uh, Kansas City picked up Deion Bush. Uh, there's your fourth safety. Uh, they at least have that figured out now at this point. Uh, I, I do think that they're still going to be looking at adding another depth position. That's not going to hurt their salary cap. I would imagine it's a really cheap signing. Maybe only cost them a couple hundred thousand on the top 51. Uh, so right now, I mean, they're just trying to fill as many holes as they can before they get to the draft. And I don't know that you're going to be starting seeing starting level positions. Uh, filled at this point, but you you could see some depth guys that could change what Kansas City needs at the back end of the draft. Absolutely. See if there's any adjustments, and then, hey, it's full-on draft cycle now. So thanks, folks. We appreciate your time. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back with you tomorrow and more from Matt Derrick on Wednesday. Be with us all week long because we're five days a week. Have a good one. We'll talk to you then.